Hey, we're in John 15. We're continuing the conversations with Jesus. And uh, the, the, the theme we've been under is because in John 16, 1, it says, Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that may keep you from stumbling. And these things, that demonstrative pronoun must refer, in my judgment, to everything that's preceded that to the other these things. Uh, we've seen that in 14.25, these things I've said to you. 15.11, these things I've spoken to you. And then here it is again, these things. So it seems to be some thematic movement. Uh, here's a section of teaching and here's why I've told you this. Here's a section of teaching and this is why I've told you this. And what I would like to discuss here today is, is uh, the instructions to avoid stumbling. And that's the word that Jesus used. And we've uh, talked about that in the past. There have been like, three lessons before this. So if you're interested in hearing the other uh, things that Jesus said you need to know in order not to stumble, uh, you can go online. There's some instructions on your handout how to get there and listen to those. Uh, to The instructions to avoid stumbling. Uh, and I think that, if you will, what, what I have there is to keep you from stumbling by knowing what can happen. We're going to pick this up in verse 18 here in just a second. Keep you from stumbling by knowing what can happen. I, I was looking about this and thinking about this, the word stumble and what it means means to fall or to, uh, to get out of the path. I got online the other day and at a particular, of course, everything on the internet is true, uh, but there was an article on there about the causes of stumbling. Do you know how many causes there are for stumbling? 153. <laughs> 100, I thought, wow, it's a, it's, it's a wonder that all of us aren't down on the ground all the time. <clears throat> you know, really, I mean, just everybody's down for the count. Stumbling. Uh, and there's all kinds of reasons. There are some medical reasons. Uh, some people stumble. They're, they may have a drop in their blood pressure or, uh, they, you know, something may be happening. But one of the key reasons, and we see this in our culture all the time, is inattention. People are just inattentive. They're messing with their phone. They're texting, you know, while they're fixing to walk across the street. And uh, that, that happens all the time. Uh, I had a case last uh, fall whenever uh, I had uh, driven to the university where I teach, and when I was getting ready to drive in, we have a thing at the university called Issues Week, and uh, we're dealing with issues like uh, water, uh, water uh, uh, energy, food scarcity, all those kind of things. Well, this particular uh, Issues Week was uh, on water, and Water 4 was our... Uh, 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 emphasis going to be that whole week. And when I'm driving in or getting ready to come into the campus, in that front part of the campus, there were 5,000 little, you know, like the gas company comes when they put a flag in the ground? There were 5,000 of those. And how impressive, because that represents how many children die, what? Every day from waterborne illness. Do you know that? 5,000 children Every day, I hope y'all went to the gala. I was in Kentucky. I was praying that that would be the most wonderful gala they've ever had. Raise more money from you. Get that money. Uh, 5000 And so I'm driving in, and I thought, you know, what a great thing. I want to take a picture. And I had my iPad, and I thought, you know, I'm going to get out there and take a picture. And I'm getting this like this, and I've got it out, and I'm bringing it up. There's a speed bump here. <clears throat> uh, I wasn't really in attention. And I, I had my iPad in my hand, and I hit that thing, and in, like an old man, I just should have gone down, right? Just, okay, but no, I fought it, right? I fought it. When I got the iPad right here, got my phone in my pocket, I'm not going down. And the longer I keep trying to stay up, the faster it gets. And the faster it gets, 
the further down I'm going. And finally, I, because of inattention, just not watching. I mean, I just drug my big number nine right over that speed bump. And I went down, tore my shirt off of me, tore my pants, bleeding. But I did get a good picture. <laughs> That's all that mattered. I have a scar now on this elbow right here. I'm telling you, listen, when they found out HR is in my office, would you sign this form, please? I'm saying, I'm not going to sue the school unless I find a good lawyer. But you know, I'm not going to sue, you know, but I mean, I was tore up. They, I, I finally had to go. I was willing to go to the doctor because I know in x-rays, they don't normally use needles. So I did. I, I, I thought I broke or fractured my hip. And uh, uh, when, I mean, I just went down. Why? In attention, not being aware. I think Jesus has something here that, at least in my opinion, we need to be aware about. You know, I tell my students, sometimes when you teach through a book of the Bible, it will force you to talk about things you wouldn't normally talk about. You know, it just forces you to. The next verse is, okay, there they are. You got to deal with them, you know, or have a testimony service or something uh, and so this is not one, but I thought, you know, this is one of those things that sometimes causes us to stumble because we're, we're just inattentive. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, and I chose you out of the world because, this, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. Now, I, 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 two weeks ago we taught you, it's just an interesting connection. That Jesus had said earlier, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Here he says, they're going to do this because of my name. That's just interesting, the different ways the name of Jesus is used. One in prayer, one in persecution. Because they do not know the one that sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else had done, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. When the helper comes, <clears throat> whom I will send to you from the father, this is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father. He will testify about me. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming. Everyone who kills you will think he's offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you, so when this hour comes, you may remember that I told you these things. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Now, I want to just look at this. Uh, here's what I'm suggesting. Uh, that we, we sometimes are able to keep from stumbling by knowing what can happen. What can happen. I, I think sometimes that 
we think that because we love Jesus and, and we talk about love and his grace and like that, that everybody else is. That everybody else is going to love Jesus like we are and appreciate him and think what a wonderful guy he is. But it's not the truth. And I think that one of the things that, that shocks us when people sometimes resist or reject even or even perhaps, perhaps persecute. Now, I want to work through this here for a second because there's a couple of terms here I think we need to get, come to grips with. Jesus makes the statement, and this is hopefully somewhere for you to write. I, I made that handout for you. It says right this, the world, <clears throat> the world. He says, you're not of the world. The world hates you. The world hates me. Who is the world? Well, the word here in the New Testament and in John particularly, the, wor the word <clears throat> can mean the planet. You know, he came into the world. Uh, the, the, the world can mean the planet. It's the Greek word cosmo, cosmos, uh, and, and it's uh, the idea of the, of the planet. But in, in other places, it means humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So it means humanity as a whole. And there's a third one that is the more probably important here for us. And that is this. It's a system that opposes the rule of God. A system that opposes the rule of God. You see, that's why Jesus spoke often in the Gospels about a kingdom. Uh, it's fascinating. I've told you perhaps and told my students that Jesus talked more about the kingdom than anything else, more than forgiveness, more than uh, heaven, more than, more than anything. I mean, everything. Every parable he told, the kingdom of heaven is like. Well, the word kingdom means rule. Many translators will translate that, that instead of the kingdom of God, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. You know, we don't, we live in a kingdom, we live in a democracy, you know, that, that we should translate it the rule of God. Jesus said, the rule of God is here. So he said, turn around, you, you know, make a, make a 180, uh, turn around because the rule of God is here because now what we have is the rule of God and the rule of the world and the values and principles and priorities of the world are opposed to the values and the principles of the kingdom. I'm going to call it this, and we'll come back to it a couple of times, but I'm going to say it this way, that this kingdom, when we really look at it, is what we call the upside-down kingdom. We're going to look at that here in a minute. The upside-down kingdom to the world, to the world. So we think of that, okay, the world, it's those that are uh, resisting and against the rule of God. Now, I wrote my notes, I think we typically think that the world that is opposed to the rule of God is our secular society, or people that are non-religious, perhaps, or people that are materialistic and profane. But I want you to look in this text here, because it fascinated me when I was working through this, that Jesus' statement here about the world who hates him, it seems, if I'm any judge of this, Look at verse 25. They hate him and they do this to fulfill what? Their law. Who's their law? The Jewish people. The Jewish religious leaders. He said, they did this. They hated me to fulfill the law. Look down at 16.2. They're going to make you an outcast. They're going to drag you and throw you out of what? Synagogue. Listen, this is an interesting perspective by Jesus and I would suggest by other writers in the New Testament that the world can be 
religious people. Highly religious people. In fact, not me. <laughs> this time. <laughs> you know, I was fa FaceTime somebody the other day, right? Remember that? Yeah. That, 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 that the world is this opposite. Now, notice, look here. They did this to fulfill their law. They, they, they did this. They're going to throw you out of the synagogues. We, we tend to beat up and think that the world is always secular society. It's always those people out there that are irreligious. And in Jesus' day, it's, and it certainly includes that, but in Jesus' day and in Jesus' disciples' day, the world that opposed him and rejected him were religious leaders. You know, Pascal, uh, the great uh, uh, French mathematician who could multiply letters. Um, yeah, that, I don't understand that. Pascal said this, men never do evil so willingly and thoroughly except for religious purposes. Men never do evil so willingly and thoroughly except for religious purposes. Why? Because I'm right and you're wrong. I suddenly now have the capacity and the ability to do all kinds of evil we see that all the time. You know, I was writing this, I thought, you know, we tend to think of the, the world and irreligion. We think of ISIS and like that. And, 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 and Jesus is saying, no, it's, it's in the house. It's in the house. One of the scariest things ever happened to me years ago, I was at a minister's meeting, which I didn't usually like to go to, you know. People would say stuff to me like, so how's your church doing? I'd say, well, it's not mine, it's God's. I just work there. And they'd go, Huh? <laughs> I didn't play, I wasn't, I didn't play well. Or they'd say, so where are you now? And I say, right in front of you. <laughs> Stupid people. You know, they were, right, have you moved? Are you? And I thought, come on, man, quit being stupid on me here for a second. You know? But I was at a minister's meeting at a high level one one time. And there were some dealings going on and some decisions being made. And, and uh, I'm a young man, you know like 60 years ago, and uh, I was eight. No, I was older than that. Uh, I'm in this meeting, and uh, it's kind of getting a little cantankerous because people are trying to make a decision, and it's going to affect uh, the whole, uh, our whole tribe, the church of God. And a guy stood up and said, I'd like to speak to this point. And he said, it seems to me, as Jesus said, and, and as soon as he started quoting the Bible, this is what happened. Sit down! Large voices. Lots of people. I mean, it was a reaction. And I went, who are these people? <laughs> you know? And who, what am I doing with them? Right? Listen, religion can be of the world. When it adopts values that are not part of the upside down kingdom. When religion becomes something that we, oppose, we literally end up opposing, if you will, the, work, the rule of God. It's happened over and over again. Instead of being open and willing to hear the testimony of God through Jesus Christ. It's, it's, these are religious people. 1525, 16.2. This is who Jesus is talking about. He said, hey, get ready. Because the religious guys are the guys are going to come get you. It wasn't the Roman people that wanted to kill Jesus it was the religious people that killed him, okay? 
So I, I just, I want to say, let's be careful in our assessment that we sometimes get inside the fort and we think the world's out there. Listen, the world's in here in places, okay? The world's in here at this place, at Crossings Community Church, at every church, even the Baptist church, Lynn and Stanton are going to go, <laughs> right? It might even be there. Who knows? But, but, but when we, but when we uh, project that, 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 you know, it, it can only be out there, then we end up failing to be critical of ourselves or analytical, perhaps is a better word, is to say, have we allowed ourselves to allow our tradition or our tribe or our group or whatever you want to call it to now oppose the values of the rule of God? I told you one of my favorite verses found in John 5, 38 to 40. When Jesus says to the religious guys, he says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is these that testify about me, but you will not come to me. Bible scholars, Bible brilliance, Bible understanding. You search the scriptures, you read them, you know them, you can quote them, but you won't come to me. What is that? That's the world value. It's my intelligence. It's my understanding. And so Jesus is saying, I know this, I'm taking a long time. We're going to hurry, I promise, at some point. But it's the, it's the system that opposes the values. Um, you know, I've, said, I've got in trouble before. Um, there's a difference between Christianity and Christendom. Christendom is a system. Christendom is sort of an attachment to some Christian values, but it's not Christianity. You know some of the things that have, and I'm not trying to beat up on Christianity here. I'm just saying, you know some of the things that have been done in the name of Jesus. You know some of the things. That's Christendom. It doesn't have the spirit of Jesus in it. Miroslav Volf, who's a theologian at, at uh, Yale, I, I, I listen to occasionally, he said this, Christendom is dying around the world, but Christianity is on the march. Christendom. You know, I, I when, <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, when I got ordained years ago, which they probably think is a huge mistake, <laughs> that means I went through a series of deals and, and all this stuff, and, and uh, uh, they asked me a bunch of questions, you know. Not many deep ones, though. You know, I'd gone through the process. I was pastor in a church in Houston, and they, and they said to me, they said, well, we better ask them. I mean, they asked me stupid stuff. Are you going to tithe? And I thought, good grief. Isn't there something more important that you could ask me? I mean, that's kind of ABC stuff. So they, they said, well, maybe we better ask him, uh, uh, you know, a couple of questions. But we know his dad. Like I could have been an axe murderer. <laughs> See, this is Christendom. I was part of the good old boy system. I was in already. I mean, and so I was young and arrogant and want to say things before they passed through my brain. And they said to me, well, we better ask him a couple questions. And they said, are you going to teach what the church of God believes? <laughs> and I, and I, and I, you know, I wouldn't encourage anybody to do this. All these, 
you know, pontificating guys. I'd known all my life. I looked and I said, as far as I'm concerned, the church of God can go to hell. It got quiet. <laughs> if they desert the word of God. My loyalties are in the word of God as revealed in Jesus Christ, not the church of God. I don't play well in that sandbox. Don't ask me to line up and, and, and be loyal to a group that can go off in any direction they want to. Now they started asking me real questions. <laughs> right? Christendom. Church of God. Methodist. Baptist. What, I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with being part of a tribe. I, I love the church of God that I'm a part of. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm part of an upside down kingdom. You are too. The rule of God to say, hey buddy, this is where we start parting company. This is where we split the sheets on this one. This is where just because it comes down from the publication border like that. So, uh, let, go on. So Jesus says, don't be confused. It can happen. It can happen, Right? It can happen. Be careful. This idea when Jesus said, listen, if they hate you, you need to know something. They hated me first. They hated me first. And, and, and you know, it's the, whole, it's the whole idea that Jesus is saying here, our love and affection for him may be something we just assume he's so attractive and so engaging. But the truth is, there will be people who would hate us and hate him. Now, I'm telling you, this is where it gets tough for us. Because our natural inclination when people don't love us and they treat us poorly or they hate us, what do we do? Hate them back. <laughs> right? Hate them back. See, we're, because we're not prepared for this. We're, we're st we stumble because we, we don't realize, hey, hey don't be confused. Don't be confused. Listen, I, I want to say this to you. If, if, what I mean, they hated me before they hated you. It's not about you. Okay? Quit taking I'm saying this a clip. Quit, take, quit taking it so personal. This Jesus is a disruptive person. His kingdom comes in and things aren't the same. Shane Claiborne, who's a guy up in the Northeast, I, I remember him saying, my life is going along real well till I asked Jesus in my heart. <laughs> Man, listen, he is, he's disruptive. He's not this little milk toast guy that hands you a glass of milk and says, have a nice nap. You know, this, this whole idea no, it can happen. Why is that? Let, let, let me give you some, let me tell you why it can happen. Don't be confused. Listen to this upside down kingdom. You can write these down if you want to. There'll be a test next week. Here we go. <laughs> Don't be confused whenever you live like this. The last will be what? First. That's Matthew 20, 16. The last are going to be first. And the first are going to be last. Right? If you want to be great, Jesus said, you have to become a servant. Matthew 20, 26. 20, 26. You want to be great? Be a servant. Jesus said in Mark 8, 25, you want to save your life? You're going to lose it. If you lose your life, you'll save it. Think about that. Jesus, hey, these are the words of Jesus. You go look at Mark 8, 25. Here's, here it is. Don't be confused when you start living like this, right? The way you're going to save your life is lose it. If you try to hang on to it and save it, 
You, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a great book called The Cost of Discipleship. You ought to read it at some point in your life, but not by yourself. He'll take the hide right off of you. He says in the very first line of The Call to Discipleship, Jesus bids you to come and die. Wow. That doesn't sound like you'll get blessed and all your kids will be born with straight teeth. <laughs> right? Or your 401k is going to be better. Or I'm gonna, I better be careful here because I'm moving in a bad direction. I'm going to start talking about people. <laughs> You, say, you, you save your life by losing it. How do you get? By giving. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. Press down, right? Luke 6, 38. Give, and you'll receive. I, I'm always, it's funny, I did a little training in Kentucky with these people. You know, there were, you know, uh, you know several hundred people and three last names. And... Uh, <laughs> It's not true. It's not true. There weren't several hundred. But there were only three. Like, no. <laughs> uh, you know, th this, whole, this whole notion, when I, when I talk to, pa I've done some consulting with churches before, and I, a pa uh, sometimes a pastor will say to me, you know, my church is just is cheap. And I said, what do you mean? Well, they, don't, they don't remember my birthdays. They don't, they don't give me a gift. They never take me to lunch. And again, I don't play well in this box, but I just said, when do you do that? Who do you send birthday cards to? Who do you take? To, oh, I don't have enough. Hey, go take them to McDonald's. It doesn't matter. If, if you're grappling and belly aching that people aren't generous and they're not giving, it's because you're not generous and you don't give. Turn it around. What Jesus said, if you give, what do you You'll receive. Now, this is not a, an attempt to manipulate or try. It's just simply a fact of the universe. You know? And I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking, who dropped you on your head? Because, it, it, you know, you're, you're saying, I want people to give to me. I want people to remember my birthday. I want people to take me to lunch. And you never do it. It's upside down kingdom, folks. Here's, my, here's one. I, I like this one. Success is measured in faithfulness, not Outcomes. Success in this kingdom is measured in faithfulness, not outcomes. Now that comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Success in this upside-down kingdom means success for us. Was I faithful? Were you faithful? Not did everything turn out great? Not did everything go wonderful? Not do you now have more than you had before? You know, all those kinds. Of, we, we have all these outcomes. Well, you know, we did this and only three people got saved. Or, you know, we did this and only two. I had a class the other day. One student showed up and they looked like, what are we going to do? And I said, we're having class. <laughs> I'm not, I, don't have a, I don't have a certain number of students I have to have. Right? I'll, let, I'll give you all I got. I went to a class one time, and, 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 a, and a, me and another guy walked in, and the teacher said, so where do you guys want to go? And I said, what do you mean? We're, we're already here. That's where we want to go. Yeah, I mean, you, you, do you realize now why I'm not a pastor? <laughs> when I take the spiritual gift test, mercy is like n nowhere on there. Right. Nowhere. I mean, it's like, that's it, why I married Becky. <laughs> She said, now what Cliff meant to say was. <laughs> right. What, 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 do you, what do you really meant to say? Listen, I've got a friend, Wendell Sutton, a guy in my department. When we go do seminars, I'm not kidding you. When we do seminars, Wendell say, uh, excuse me, what Cliff meant to say was this. He's the editor on all the books I've written. 
Because he goes, you can't say this. I say, yes, I can. He said, no, you can't. But, but the idea here is success. So the teacher said, where you guys want to go? I said, we'll stay here. She goes, well, they're not enough. And I thought, you're not a teacher. You're not a teacher. You got to have a certain number. Or is success being faithful? Hey, you know, you know what, moms? You, you may never get written up in, you know, uh, I don't know the magazines, whatever they are. But being home with those kids and raising those kids and investing your life in them and pouring what you know about Jesus into them. I don't know if the world's ever going to recognize it, but there's somebody in heaven who's going to recognize it and going to say, you were faithful. You did the best you could. See, that's the other thing. I, I talk to parents all the time. And, 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 and you know, they've said to my dad, my, my brother's in ministry and I'm in ministry, and they'll say to my, used to say to my dad, Marvin, how'd you do it? He goes, I have no idea. <laughs> And I hear parents, I say, you know, I, I wish I could have done a better job. And I say, did you do the best you know how? Yeah. Did you, did, did you do the best you knew? You, you tried? Sure, you made stupid decisions. And st we all do that. But did you do the best? You, or did you wake up and say, I'm going to see how I can make my, life, my kid's life miserable. No, you didn't do that. Maybe a couple of times, but not often. <laughs> I had a friend one time, me and him, his name was Marvin, and we were so bad. His mother kept saying to him one of these days, if you guys don't start to settle down, Sarah, son, I'm leaving. So one day, Marvin was being really, really bad, and Bobby, as a mom, this was back in East Texas, Kilgore, Texas. Back then, this is a long time ago, she said to Marvin, I told you if you don't quit acting, I'm leaving. She went into her bedroom and picked up a, a suitcase and put a bonnet on and started walking across the field. And <laughs> yeah, we were not that good of kids. That, that, she did the best she knew how with those kids. In your marriage, did you, have you done the best you know how? You didn't do everything right. In your work, in your ministry, you, know, you, tr you, you tried, you, you did the best you knew how. God, in this upside-down kingdom, judges faithfulness. I know a lot of pastors, I mean, you know, I, See, the world in its values. And Marty's real honest about this. We've talked in other things like that. See, everybody thinks Marty is super spiritual because he's got a monster church. And I, and I know Marty. I've known him for even before I came to church here. We were in the ministry together. He's not that spiritual. You can tell him I said that. He's not that spiritual. He's not. He really isn't. You know, I know some guys that have been faithfully serving 30 people in a little church, doing the best they know how to do. Billy Graham said one time, when it comes to handing out rewards, he said, one of these days when we're all in line, there's going to be a pastor in front of me who served 13 people in West Virginia all of his life, and God's going to give him more rewards than me. Why? Faithfulness. This upside down kingdom. Don't be confused when people hate this. When they resist it. When they try to press you and I in every way possible. They, 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 want, they want us to think that we got to live by their values. The last one, the upside down, I'll give you this, the last in the upside down kingdom that, my goodness, I, 
yesterday, I just I came home after just doing some errands and I just thought, Lord, you just got to help me. You know, I'm a teacher and when people drive stupid, I want to teach them right there. Come here. Right? Or when people are at the bank line and they haven't already got their check filled out and ready, they're sitting there writing it. Come here. Come here. Come here. Right now. Are you stupid or you just don't care? It's one or the other. The teacher just, at least that's my idea. It's really just me being impatient. But when Jesus said in this upside down kingdom, love those who persecute you and pray for them. Yeah, I'm still trying to get there. Love those and pray for them. You know, I told us some time ago, I've been praying and it's happening. And not because of our, my prayer. Just, I know people around the world. Do, do we ever pray for ISIS? That when they're doing their dastardly worst, that there's some young guy standing around there holding their coats like the Apostle Paul when they killed Stephen and that God got a hold of that man's heart and life? Do, do we pray for our enemies to say, God, please have there a, a, a young man, a, a young woman like holding the coats like Paul did in Acts and open their heart to you? I'm not trying to make this silly or simple, but this is, this is the craziest teaching Jesus ever gave. Love your enemies. Pray for them who persecute you. There's not a bone in my body that resonates with that naturally. And I've never really experienced any persecution to speak of. I've been made fun of a couple of times. Of course, when you don't have any mercy or any feelings, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares what you think? You're an idiot. <laughs> it just doesn't affect me. You know, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's not a good way to live. <laughs> Don't be surprised. But let me, let, I want to give you another verse. We're not getting through this today. <clears throat> Go to your table of contents, find the book of 1 Peter. This, because this is one of those crazy subjects I never hear people talk about. Look at 1 Peter. Go to your table of contents. Find the book of 1 Peter. Now, um, living in this upside down kingdom, in 1 Peter chapter 3, Marty quotes this verse a lot. <clears throat> I like it, but I want to give you the context of it. Watch this. <clears throat> 1 Peter 3, 13. Who is there to harm you if you prove to be zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed. And don't fear their intimidation and be troubled. He's saying, look, you, it, it's, it's not you know, always going to happen, but it could happen. You could suffer. You could be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Don't fear their intimidation. But watch this. But sanctify Christ Jesus as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you or give an account for the hope that is within you with gentleness and reverence. Now, now notice that. 
Be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you. What is the context here? Why are they asking you? Because you're suffering under persecution for righteousness calmly. It says there, but even if you do suffer, you, you should not be intimidated or troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Set him apart and say, I'm doing this for Jesus. So you can be ready when somebody asks. I wrote in the margin of my Bible a long time ago. Here, here's, here's the question. Does my life call for an explanation? Does my life call for an explanation? You're suffering. You're persecuted. You're being treated poorly. And they ask you, what is the hope that is in you that allows you to go through this like this? What is the hope that you have? Why can you live like this? It's called living in the upside down kingdom. I, 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 I don't, listen, uh, I love, you know, we talk, oh, you know, you should, you should be willing to answer anyone who asks you with gentleness and reverence in the midst of being persecuted. Gently, with reverence. Not lashing out, not taking your pound of flesh from them, gently and that's a troubling verse to me that, that's one of those that 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 says does i, wrote, I just wrote does cliff does your life call for an explanation you know they'd be saying hey you know what you ought to be doing is this you you ought to be resisting or rejecting or trying to get your pound of flesh or fighting me but you're not why is that what's happening Does your life, does my life call for an excellent? So, so, so don't be confused here. You live in an upside down kingdom. These values are contrary to the core with our culture. And our lives can become something that needs to be explained to people when they see this happening. This is why I think, if I'm any judge of what I'm reading, the church in the two-thirds, uh, the followers of Jesus in the two-thirds world is exploding. Exploding. We have more evidence there have been more Muslims that came to Jesus in the last 15, 20 years than in the last 1,400. Christians... And the two-thirds world are living a life that says, tell me, tell me how you can live like this. With gentleness and with reverence. You, you might Google this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish. Well, we got through one point today. <laughs> you say, well, you could have got more if you just shut up. But <laughs> I know, but leave them alone. Here we go. <laughs> There's a great story in church history. And it's been verified by people that wrote Gregory of Nyssa, Nyssa, N-Y-S-S-A, St. Basil the Great, that in 320, a place called Sevaste, present-day Turkey, there were 40 Christian soldiers who were part of what they believe was the thundering herd 
This was a very famous legion of Roman soldiers. The governor of that area uh, uh, demanded, as was part of that, that they would offer sacrifice to Caesar, Lysias. And they would say, uh, we honor and worship Caesar. And they wouldn't do it. Uh, and so uh, the governor decided uh, he would be strong with them, and, and be, but, but he, he, he said, I've got to get you in the line. You, you've got, uh, you've got to, to honor the emperor. Wouldn't do it. Anyway, long story short, you can, you can check this. It's called the 40. They, uh, they said they wouldn't do it. And one of the very cruel generals that he had decided what they would do in this particular time in Turkey in, in the winter. There's a frozen pond out there, a little pond lake-like thing. And they said, okay, uh, we can't threaten you enough. We can't put you in shackles and chains. We're going to put you out on the ice and you have to take all your clothes off and you're going to stand there. Freeze to death if you do not subject yourself to giving homage to the, to the emperor. Basil and Gregor of Nicaea uh, tell us and through the, the accounts, they ripped their clothes off and ran to the pond and stood in a circle and sang. Now this general was so cruel. He put up hot baths and places for them to be able <clears throat> to leave and keep from freezing to death. All around the pond, he kept saying, come on, there's food, there's, there's warmth. You don't have to do this. It's just a little thing. You could just do it and be done with it. We know you're not, but just do it. They said, we won't do it. The story is pretty amazing, and it, it would give you the, the circle of those there, and they begin to drop. And as they do, one of them dropped first. As they stand there singing, freezing to death with just 20 yards over here. There's a warm bath. One guy in the group gives in and runs to the bath to warm up. They offer him food. And at the 40th Savaste, because they'd said, we want all 40 just to go to heaven together. It's said that when that young man went that direction, one of the soldiers guarding the Christians rips his clothes off and joins them. That guy's life had to be explained. Why do these 39 stay out here? He stood and froze to death with them. What if you and I resolved to say, you know what, I want to live in this upside down kingdom. It's not easy. This is not just all flowers and roses and nice milk and a nice song to go to bed with. But when we live like this, Jesus says, don't be surprised. They hated me first. They may hate you. And we're going to talk next week. We don't want them to hate us because we're just jerks. <laughs> right? Just because we're insensitive. Just because we're stupid about things. Just because we mouth off to them. We're not talking about persecution for being, being, a, being a jerk. We're talking about, you know, one writer said it this way, the world doesn't hate us because of our compromise. The world hates us when we stand for Jesus and all he stands for. But Jesus said they hated me first. So I, here's the application for you this week and we'll come get the rest. What if you resolve to accept that any per persecution you experience it's not really about you. It's about Him.
What if you resolve in your heart and mind to say, if I do, and you know, I haven't really, I mean, I haven't really experienced what you'd really call persecution, but people may make fun of you at work or, or something, who, who knows? Just remember this, Jesus said, it's about me. And, and maybe in those moments when we can say, it's not about me, it's about Him. It's, it, it really is that my love and devotion and care for Him, it's about Him and I want to keep it about Him. It's not about you. Jesus is both wonderful and disruptive beyond belief. In a world that has its own value system and its own way of doing things and saying, we're not going to be part of this upside down kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have invited us to be with you in this upside down kingdom. We, we've accepted the invitation, but sometimes we may not have realized what it meant. We pause here today to keep from stumbling by not being confused that this could happen. Nothing unusual, nothing strange. It's happened before. So would you help us to not take it so personal and not get so invested in it and just realize this is the way people respond sometimes to Jesus. Keep our hearts from getting angry, cantankerous and arrogant or rightful that we know the truth and you don't. Protect us from the world's value that says protect yourself and, and uh, uh, show them you're right and argue. Help us to have a life that demands an explanation. It demands it. It doesn't make sense. Now, Lord, we can't do that on our own. There's no way. Every bone in our body resists this. But only through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we open our lives and ask you to fill us, that Jesus would make himself known through us and in us. We pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.